Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. It's another beautiful Tuesday morning here in North Texas. Today is Tuesday, October 20th. So uh, I was informed by my daughter this morning that Halloween is right around the corner. And today is a, a beautiful day to finish the book of Galatians. So we've been studying the, the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians written by Paul so many years ago. Been studying it the last couple of weeks. And today we're going to finish it with chapter six. And so uh, let me know where you want to go next. If, uh, if you're with us live uh, this morning, please say hello. And let me know uh, where you'd like to go next as far as what book of the Bible you would like to study next. Uh, give me some options. I'm not a, uh, I, I'm, I don't have material for all of them. I'm not a, well, I mean, I have the Bible, but I'm not an expert in all of them. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm actually an expert in any of them. But anyway, so just let me know. Give me some options. Uh, good morning, D, Craig, and Tina. Great to have you here today. Hope, uh, hope you all are doing well. And as a reminder, this is a big Sunday coming up. It's Reformation Week. Uh, Reformation uh, Sunday is coming up in five days, and we'll have a lot of special stuff going on here. Our confirmation class will be confirmed uh, at nine o'clock this week outdoor at the outdoor service. So we certainly hope that uh, uh, we'll have a, a lot of people there to celebrate with our new confirmands. confirmands. And, um, and then at 11 o'clock, we're going to debut our new virtual choir piece that Vanessa has been working on uh, with all of our musicians. So that's, uh, that's exciting too. Uh, good morning, Patty and Jackie. Great to have you all with us, uh, with me live. And, and for those of you who will be watching and listening to this later, thank you for joining us. So, okay, we are in Galatians chapter six, some good stuff. So we'll start in verse one. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who have received the spirit should restore one, uh, should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. If someone is caught in a sin, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Paul realized that in every group of Christians, right, every time Christians come together in a community, someone is going to sin. Everyone is going to sin, right? But some are going to be caught in a sin, caught in a sin that, um, that brings shame. Or we can all be we can be caught in our sins, but not every sin is going to bring an equal amount of shame. But there are some sins that if you're caught, brings with it a great deal of shame. And so how do we deal with those sins? How do we deal with the people who are caught in those sins? I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that's easy to do is just kind of ignore that, ignore the fact that that person was caught in a sin. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. Don't worry about it. Or um, we're going to cast that person out and just ignore them and be, be as if they had been excommunicated. I'm, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to be seen talking to that person anymore because they were caught telling a lie. They were caught stealing. They were caught uh, cheating on someone. They were caught doing something that they shouldn't have. Now, um, that's, I mean, I'm not saying that any one of us should ever, ever, ever commit any of those sins. But if we're caught in those sins, the community of faith that we're surrounded by, uh, those people should restore us with gentleness. And so we, the people, need to look to deal with sin in others with gentleness. Uh, restoration is always, always, always the goal, according to Paul. And so if people are caught in sin, 
sin that brings a certain amount of shame. All sin brings shame, but sometimes when we're caught doing something, it brings more shame than other, other things. And when that happens, as I said, it's either it's easy to just pretend it didn't happen or to cast that person out and say, you just, you know, you can't, you can't be a member here. We, I don't want to be seen associating with you, right? Um, but instead, Paul says to deal with that with gentleness, to deal with that with gentleness. And so I uh, just started wondering, you know, is, is the work of gentle restoration, has that been lost in the church? Does the church see itself as a place that takes gentle restoration seriously, that deals with the sinner, not based on their sin, but based on grace? Now, we're not, we're not going to pretend it didn't happen, and we need to be accountable for our actions, but we need to be accountable and hold others accountable with a spirit of gentleness. I think it's really, really important. Not to, not to bring harsh words unless we're speaking the truth in love. And sometimes speaking the truth in love can be seen as harsh, but we need to be able to learn to speak the truth in gentleness, to hold people accountable in gentleness, um, and to proclaim forgiveness in gentleness gentleness for the sake of restoration. I think that's really important. Uh, Catch up on some folks who jumped in. Good morning, Julie and Margaret, Claudia and Peggy. Great to have you all uh, with us today and uh, hope you're doing well and staying safe wherever you may be. So that was verse one. I'll just go right to verse two. Paul writes, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. So every every Christian is called to bear one another's burdens, which means uh, we look for a burden that a brother or sister is carrying, and we help them with it. And that could look like a number of different things. It could look like, you know, if someone is carrying something, that could just you know, help carry it, right? But, you know, if if someone is going through a difficult time in life, it's being there for them, being there for them in whatever they need. You know, sometimes it's cooking a meal. Sometimes it's being there to listen. Sometimes it's praying. Sometimes it's helping them uh, find a new job, helping them, you know, connecting, using your connections to to help them find a new job. It, It can be a number of different things, but helping to bear the burdens of the other. Uh, it's a, um, it is a, an easy way to fulfill the law, specifically when Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And that simply is we love one another by helping each other bear one another's burdens. We all have burdens. To think that there's any one of us who goes through life without burdens uh, is just wrong. It's false. We all have burdens and we all need help. We all need each other's help to get through life, to carry these burdens. Uh, And so it's very important that we learn to help one another carry each other's burdens. And then verse five, Paul writes, but all must carry their own loads. (laughs) So wait, what is it? Are we carrying one, bearing one another's burdens, or are we carrying our own loads? What is Paul talking about? All must carry their own loads. Paul, wait a second. That's not consistent with what you just said. So which one is it? I think what here Paul is saying that we all need to carry our own loads. And the idea of a load basically was the, a backpack, right? Basically what Paul is talking about. We need to carry our own backpack, which means we are all accountable for our actions. We all need to be 
accountable for our actions. We all need to say, you know, if we did something, we carry around the accountability of our actions. I think we live in a world today where most people aren't accountable for their actions. I mean, it can come down to watching a football game. If you're watching a football game and your team throws a pass and it's incomplete, it doesn't mean that the other team cheated. It doesn't mean that the other team interfered and, and you should have a flag. Every, I mean, sometimes you just didn't do what you were supposed to do. Sometimes in life we need to admit that there was something that we should do and we didn't do it. That we have fallen short for no other reason than we have fallen short. It's our fault. It's our fault we didn't. I played in a, in a golf tournament yesterday morning, a golf tournament that uh, the, the local Boy Scout tournament. And, and for the last three years, my team has won. My team has won the tournament. And yesterday, we came in fourth. Fourth. Oh, yuck. Fourth. Why did we come in fourth? Well, because the greenskeeper put the pins in difficult places and because it was cold and because it was windy and because it, it drizzled and because, you know, all these different things, right? Why did we come in fourth? Because we didn't make putts, right? So there's no other way to say it. We fell short. Putts that, I mean, we, we hit a lot of putts that just almost went in, but didn't go in. And so we need to be, we lost because we lost. We didn't do our best. Someone played better than us, right? And so being accountable and to being honest about that, say, you know, to, when we carry our own loads, it's, it's this, the importance of confession, the importance of being able to say, I am accountable for my own actions. I have fallen short and, and it's my own fault. It's not the fault of anyone else. And so I know Jackie, fourth, can you believe that? Fourth, man. Rough day. All right. I digress. Moving on. Verses 9 through 10. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Now, I skipped a section between verses 5 through 9, because what Paul is talking about here is supporting pastors financially. Right. Support at that time, pastors would travel from community to community, and um, and so Martin Luther said these passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. I must say I do not find pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I am speaking for my own benefit. That's what Luther had to say. So um, yeah, I'm I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to set that aside. Obviously, if you're a member of a congregation, if you're a member of Abiding Grace. You know, you've heard us talk about stewardship and the importance of supporting the congregation so that we can support, still have the ministry. So I'm going to set that aside. But I do like verse nine. Let us not grow weary of doing what is right. Let us not grow weary of doing what is right. Something I think that we all need to hear over and over again. Let us not grow weary of doing what is right. It's so easy to get tired of doing what is right. So easy. We get tired of doing what is right because, because we get frustrated, because we, we don't seem to be making a difference, right? So we do our best to do what is right, and we throw all this goodness out into the world, and we don't get any goodness back. And so we get frustrated. And so we say, well, I'm just, I'm not even going to try anymore, right? 
or, or we see others who don't do what is right, but do what is wrong, and they get ahead, right? We can look around and see people who lie, cheat, and steal their way to the top. And we say, well, if, why, why, are good, why is good things happening to them and not to me? I try to do what is right, and they don't. And, and they get rewarded, it seems like. Um, or, or we see others not doing what is right, and their actions have a negative impact on our lives, right? People, people will step on us or to, to get ahead of us, people, you know, all these things. And, and it's just so easy. The temptation is so easy to say, I'm done doing what is right. Now I'm going to do what I have to do to get ahead. But Paul writes, do not grow weary of doing what is right. As the people of God, our motivations and our purposes are bigger than this world. They're bigger than financial success and business success and climbing the corporate ladder and all the things that, and golf tournaments and all those things, right? Our, our motivations are the gospel, proclaiming the love of God. And to do that, we must not grow weary of doing what is right. In all times and in all circumstances, doing what is right. And if my child is watching this, I'm talking to you specifically, do not get tired of doing what is right. All right, verse 14, not that you ever do anything that's not right. I'm not doing that, but saying that, but I know that Dee's with her today. So anyway, okay, verse 14, here we go. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I love this verse. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Because Jesus died on the cross, the world is dead to me and I am dead to the world. Luther said, the world is crucified unto me means that I condemn the world. I am crucified unto the world means that the world in turn condemns me. So the world, in the sense Paul means it here, is the community of sinful humanity. Sinful humanity that is united in rebellion against God. The ways of this world that defy God, right? When, when people are uh, baptized uh, or um, when people join the church, we say, you know, do you renounce the, the, the forces of evil and the, the forces of this world that defy God? So yes, I renounce them. And basically what you're saying is you're, you're drawing a line in the sand to say that there is a way that works in this world. There is a group in this united against God. There are forces in this world that work against God. There are forces in this world that, that do not grow weary of doing what is right, but or, I'm sorry, that do grow weary of doing what is right and choose to do what is wrong all the time. And they defy God and they, they, uh, they choose to do what is wrong and hateful and evil. And we say no. We are not going to do that. We are not going to be a part of that. We are going to proclaim and boast Christ crucified. And the world that does that, we are going to say is crucified to me and I to the world. Because Paul and the world can agree together on one thing. They didn't like each other, right? The ways of the world that defy God should not like the church, nor should the church like the ways of the world, right? It's, we are... We are trying our best to, pro, to shine light in the darkness, but 
we are not trying to uh, become friends with the darkness. Does that make sense? We are trying to make the darkness go away. We are not telling the darkness it's okay to be darkness. Now, when you shine light, you try to expose the darkness. And so uh, that's what, what Paul is getting at here, that uh, I am drawing a line in the sand and I am going to be on God's side, not the ways of the world that defy God. So that's Galatians. That's the end of Galatians. Uh, some good stuff in Galatians. And um, if you're just joining us for the first time and you missed the first five chapters, those are available on YouTube, on the Grace Abides podcast. And you can find the, uh, the previous recordings or previous live uh, videos right here on the Abiding Grace Facebook page. So where are we going next? What are we going to study next? Uh, if you have an idea, let me know. If not, I'll have something prepared for, two, for Thursday at 1030. And I uh, thank you so much for, for joining me and for um, being a part of the community here. And we'll close with a word of prayer. Uh, good and gracious God, we thank you for your many blessings. Uh, we thank you for, um, for being crucified for us, for shining light into the darkness, for sending your spirit to us, and for forgiving us. Help us to uh, forgive others with gentleness and proclaim your love to all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day, and I will see you all very soon.